Amen. There's such a beautiful atmosphere this morning. I hope you have come ready. Those of you who were here last week, you know the topic. It's a continuation of last week. And last week we dealt with the fact that the Bible says that everything works out for the good for those who love the Lord. But then the question that was posed. In loving God, you need to make sure that your definition of love is the same as what God expects. And last week we dealt with the fact that a lot of us, we evaluate the way we love God incorrectly. And that's why we don't see the goodness of God in our lives. We don't see the bad things turning around for our good because we love Him, because our definition of love is incorrect. Some of us, we work out to evaluate love as, you know, when I, if I pray a certain amount of times per day, if I read the Bible a certain amount of times per day, uh, you know, the way I speak, that is, Lord, that is how I love you. But then we encountered in Revelation where God speaks to the church in Ephesus and he gives us nice list of you doing this, you're doing that, but he says, but I have this against you. You're doing all of that things, yes, but I have this against you. You've forgotten your first love. You've forsaken your first love. And that showed us, remembering that Revelation is not a historical book. It's not something that has happened. It's something that's going to happen. The book of Revelation speaking to the churches is this, the various states that the church will find itself. And who's the church? Not Shiloh Community churches. you. So when you read the book of Revelation, especially for Revelation 2 to, I think it's 3, where the, the six letters goes out, you need to read that with a mindset, where am I in this? Which one am I struggling with? Which one am I okay with? Because this is an end time book and it's preparing us to meet our maker. So today, like I said, it's a counseling session. For some of us, we didn't realize that we're out of tune with our first love. We're doing all of these things that we're equating to, this is I'm doing because I love you, because it's in the church or because it's a, it has a church label on it. But we've discovered that that means nothing if your heart is far away from God. You can be doing all sorts of things. Like in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, you know, we, we know the scripture and it says you can prophesy this and you can do all of that. We have love. It's nothing but a clanging cymbal, a noisy bell. That's another one that we can remember and it's to do with love. So in Matthew 6.33, it says, seek ye first the things of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So the things that we need to seek first, the things is referring to God's way of doing things to God's will. That is the things that he's referring to. Seek ye first the things of God. God's way of doing it. And not a religious way. We often interpret, and this is because there's things been handed down from generation to generation because my mother worshipped like this, I also worship like this, and it's just the same all along. You know, ten generations down, we're still doing the same thing and all of that. But is that what God wants for you? We also discovered that God's expectation for you is not the same for me. So the way I love God, God has a certain expectation for me because of His calling. But then He has a certain expectation which differs from mine, He has for you as to how you're supposed to respond. What is love? Love is a response. It's a response. It's not an ooey-gooey feeling. It's a response. Hollywood says it's an ooey-gooey feeling. You need to remember that you belong to God. You belong to Him. There was a Bible verse that says that I'm, I'm a jealous God. I, I'm jealous and with, with godly jealousy. Why? Because my, I've, I've given you your husband 
which is Christ. You are the bride. You belong to Jesus. At that day when you gave your heart to the Lord, do you remember that day? That, is, that was your marriage ceremony. If you didn't know, in the spirit, that was the marriage ceremony. The vows was when you confessed with your tongue. That was the vows. And when you walked out, you didn't walk out alone. You walked out hand in hand or heart in heart with Jesus. You belong to him. For many of you today, your love will grow deeper for him. You've been at a certain level all the time, but God is going to take you deeper today from this moment forward if you take hold of it. My love for God is fully dependent on the upkeep of my relationship with His Son. So you can't say, I love God, and this is also what we do. I love God. No, I love God. But Jesus is on the sideline. We don't communicate with Jesus, you know. Jesus is just another person. The only time we remember Jesus is when it comes to Easter, Passion of Christ. Oh, then I'm all about my Jesus. There's a certain order in heaven. You know that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father? He's seated on the right hand. And every request goes through Him. So you still wonder, why is my request not answered? Because you're going the wrong way. You're trying to get in through the back door. There's certain benefits. If you have... Imagine you're married to a husband or a wife, and either of them, depending on your gender, if you're male, it's the wife, if you're female, it's the husband, that particular marriage partner is loaded in terms of wealthy, well-off, but you are not. So because you are married, you automatically have access of the, to the benefits of being married to somebody that is wealthy. There's certain things you don't have to struggle with because my husband or my wife has that wealth bringing the wealth into the marriage. It's the same with Jesus. Jesus is seated in, in heaven. Heaven's storehouses never gets empty. Never. Whatever you see on earth has been supplied by heaven. Has been allowed by heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And who is the one that's in charge over there? You better believe it's God's son. He's doing all the bidding for you. But if you don't know him, you cannot benefit from Him. There's no other way I can put it. You can't want all the things in the Bible, the nice things in the Bible, but you don't want to go through Jesus. You don't want to pursue the relationship. Then it's not going to happen. It's the same like in the natural relationship. You want all the benefits of the partner, but you don't want any to do with the partner you are out on your own you are clubbing you are you are doing all sorts of things but when you want something then you go oh my hubby oh my sweetie can i have this or can i it don't work like that it's going to work maybe the first two times but then afterwards the partner's going to pick up no but you don't really want anything to do with me and that's how we treat jesus now this isn't often preached to this extent it's often when we speak about love god it's just a general thing that Preachers often expect that you should understand, but forgetting the world you live in. And you say love, the only love I can see is in the movies, is in days of our lives, or in things like that. That is how I interpret in Seven Delan. Is that the love? But that's not the love. So in marriage, you are either faithful or you are unfaithful. There's no middle line with marriage. If you do something that jeopardizes the marriage, you are deemed as unfaithful faithful there's no middle line why also in the book of revelation there's the popular scripture that i wish you were either hot or cold because you look warm i spew you out of my mouth 
Make your choice. Do you want to be with me? Don't you? Some of you have been in relationships like that where you feel like you're being messed around and you might have asked the question, do you want to be with me or don't you want to be with me? There's no middle line. You can't do that. You want to tomorrow. Then you're walking like that. And some of us, we approach Christ in the same manner. Today, Lord, oh, I love you. Tomorrow, oh, just leave me alone. Not today. You cannot do that. There's consequences for that. Yes, you serve a loving God, but there's consequences. So, today what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take you on a journey by showing you somebody that God speaks very favorable of. In terms of his relationship that he had with this person. And that person is none other than David. Now we know David, the way God introduces David in Acts 13 verse 22. And it reads, and when he had removed him, this is being Saul. So God has removed Saul because Saul was catching on his own nonsense. And he raised up David to be their king. And of him he testified. So this is God's opinion. This is not the prophet Samuel that God sent and saying, no, this is Samuel's opinion. This is God's opinion of an earthly man. And God says this, of him I testified and said, I found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. And also who does all of my will. And now you're thinking again, all of your world, but wait, 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 wait. I, I know the story of David. I know the nonsense he caught on. I know Bathsheba. I know some other stuff he caught on. Uh, so how can you say all my world? And this brings me back to the previous point we made last week. That God doesn't evaluate your love when you are at your lowest point. He doesn't evaluate your love for Him when you are doing things out of error. He doesn't do that. And how do I know that? Let's bring you back to, the, to our brother Peter. Who Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this brother. But the brother betrayed him. Thrice, not even once. Three times. But Jesus comes and what's the question that he asked Peter to restore him? You love me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Showing that because Peter was in a state that can you imagine betraying your Lord and Savior and you, and you realize that now I've betrayed? You must be in a state, oh, surely now I can't, I'm not going to be, you know, placed in a position as being the rock. But Jesus was telling him, do you love me? And in Peter's mind, Peter's thinking, you love me, so you probably ask me this because you think I betrayed, because I betrayed you. But every time he's, he's, he's redirecting, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. So Jesus was showing him that the way I evaluate your love for me is the things that you do for me that I like. So we know Jesus was all about the people. He was about his church. Now when you take care of my church, Peter, that is how I know you love me. I'm not worried about all the other things that you catch on you. You're not perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. So I expect that. But the way I see you love me is the amount of work you do in my church. For me, that is how I see. And a lot of times we disqualify ourselves when we do something incorrectly, but not knowing that God knew that thing, that thing you could do tomorrow, that thing you did last week, he knew about it already. He was actually waiting for you to do it. He knew you were going to do it. But for us, the moment we do it, we condemn ourselves. But you're not alone in your condemnation. You know, obviously the devil jumps on that bandwagon and he grinds you into the ground. But God is waiting there like, I know this. That's why I died. 
I died for that thing that you just, I died for that. So you don't have to go on. But we push ourselves down into the ground. So some character traits of David. First of all, David was humble. So in your relationship, your love relationship, and by the way, the interesting thing about this, because God uses marriage, all of these principles that I'm going to be speaking about now, you can apply in any relationship. For those of you who are in marriage, you can look for the same things in your marriage. For those of you who are moving towards marriage, you can look for this in a potential partner. All of these things, it's interchangeable. So humble. In Psalm 62 verse 9, David writes, he says, Low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a, but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing together. They can only amount to breath. So he knew who he was. He realized he was in this love relationship with God. But he never forgot who he was. So never use God's love as a license to mistreat him. That is not love. What do I, can I break it down for you? So you expecting God for something, now it doesn't happen, now you have an attitude. Right there, you've forgotten who you are in relationship with. This is not just some earthly relationship that you have here. You're dealing with God. Step out for a moment, if you forget, and I often do this, you step outside and you look at nature. God created that. God, that's your God. Look at the stars. and That is how mighty your God is. This is the person you're dealing with. This is not just, not just anybody. Never get to a point where you think you deserve God's love. You don't. There's nothing that you can do that will allow you to deserve God's love. The fact that you have it is the fact that it's been given to you. Will never deserve it. There's no amount of actions that you can do that will equal for you deserving God's love. That is why the cross is there. That is why you have salvation. So what is humility, if I can break it down for you further, is when your surroundings and your circumstances changes, but your character doesn't. So even in the worst of times, that surroundings, that circumstance, you're still the same person. You still communicate the same to God. And also the flip side, when you get to the your happy place, your good place, where God comes through for you, now you're on this level, your circumstance change, your surroundings, you're still the same person. You still, if you pray ten times a day, you still pray ten times a day. If you read your Bible five hours a day, you still, you don't change, your character don't change. That's humility. So I'm the same all the time with God, I don't change based on how I feel. The next thing is he was reverent and respectful. Reverent and respectful. There's this body Christ syndrome that has been introduced into the body of Christ. Saying that Jesus is your body. Now yes, he is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But you shouldn't relate with him only on the friendship level. He is your husband in the spirit. You are his bride. Now the mistake we make is, and the reason why a lot of churches introduces Jesus as the friend, because the friendship level is very easy. You can speak to your friends how you want. Today, if you be okay, I can speak to you in a certain way. The next day, I don't want to. I just don't listen for you today, man. I don't listen for you today. Because that's only a friendship. 
in a marriage, for those of you who are married, you will know, that's a bit different. You can't treat your husband or your wife the exact same way in a marriage when you're not in a good space. There has to be a certain amount of respect. Look, baby, I'm not okay now. I'm going through certain things. Can we speak later? That's what you do in a marriage. In a friendship, no, I, I'm not going to go there instead of mouth for the friends. It's fine. I just don't listen for you guys today. I'm switching on my phone. I'm not responding to your WhatsApps. But in a marriage, you can't do that. So you have to have that reverence for God. You need to know your position. As the bride, you need to know your position. You need to know that even though I'm in this, we are in this, in this relationship, Jesus and myself, we're in this relationship, but I'm not His equal. I'm not His equal. Yes, we are co-laborers. Yes. But co-laborers doesn't mean we are on equal footing. Me and Jesus, we are on the same level. You are not on the same level. Co-laborers in the Bible does not mean that. Maybe somebody should have said that. Co-laborers does not mean that I'm, I'm God's equal, I'm Jesus' equal. It just means that you are allowed to work alongside Him. That's all that it means. The same in an earthly marriage. According to the Bible, the husband is the head of the household. He leads the family. The wife is next to him, but in terms of decision making, there's an order that needs to be followed in a healthy family. Even though she's right next to him, but she knows her place. She knows when to speak and when not to speak. When to confront, when not to confront. How to deal with it when the husband is, is just doing things out of, you know, uh, you know, the husband is just not doing things properly. Instead of being all rude, there's a certain way. And God grants you this grace as, as a bride on the earth, an earthly bride, the same grace he will give to you in terms of dealing with his son. David also trusted in God. The verse there, Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You cannot only express your love in times of breakthrough. So now I want to love on you, Lord, because you came through for me. Now I want to love on you. No, 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 no. Your love needs to be consistent. If I can compare it, your love, interestingly enough, I didn't think of it, we often say, where does the love reside? Is in your heart. Now in order for you to be healthy, your heart, has to beat at a certain rhythm all the time. If you skip a beat, you, then something's going to go wrong. If it beats irregular, there's something that's not going to be right. You'll have a heart attack or something. Same with your love relationship with God. Your heart has to beat in a certain rhythm with the Lord. In good times, in bad times, it has to beat consistently. You can't be the one way today and then tomorrow it's another way consistently. And I'm not saying that you need to be a robot. In terms of when things happen to you, you make as if nothing's happening. No. Read your Bible properly and you will see the prophets when they went, when they went through difficulties, they let the Lord know. They had their fair share of pity parties. They did. If you read there, especially Elijah, you know, Lord, please kill me and all of this just for a Jezebel that just spoke. But you need to trust God consistently. You need to Handle him in a way that consistently communicates to him, Lord, I love you. You need to handle him in a way that doesn't communicate to him, Lord, I only love you if. That's not love. If there's an if, 
That's not loud. Lord, I will do this for you if. That's not loud. Then you're using God. Then you're using your relationship. You're using your spiritual marriage partner to get things out of him. And that is not, that is not why you have been saved. That is not why Christ died on the cross. Not for that. Not for that so you can have your stuff. It's not for that. It's added in there, but it's not just for that. David knew how to communicate with God. Psalm 18 verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. It's not about the quantity of your communication. It's about the quality. You can spend 10 hours in your quiet room. But you and the Lord is, you, you're missing one another. You're praying here and the Lord is listening here. 10 hours, you're just wasting your time. You can spend 24 hours a day in the Bible. But if you are out of God's will, if you're not listening to what Jesus is saying to you, it's a waste of time. It's about quality. The Lord is looking for quality. Have you ever wondered how did that thief on the cross, how did he get in, Brother Guillaume? How did he get in? You can only imagine messing up all of his life, coming to that point on the cross, and then Jesus says to him, you, you, you're going to be with me in heaven. It's not about the amount of time you spend with Jesus. It's that quality man. Jesus could see the quality of his heart hanging on that cross next to Jesus. This man did nothing, man. This man did nothing. And the one on the other side was cursing Jesus. That was quality. Jesus saw the quality of his love towards him. And the reason why I have to say that is because we often compare our walks with God with other people. So because Sister Heidi plays three hours, I must play three hours in five minutes. I can be better than you, Sister. So I said five minutes extra. It's almost like the Lord's going to give us brownie points for, you know. Don't work that way. He looks here. You look, you may fool me, you may fool your marriage partner, or you may fool somebody else on this earth, but God doesn't look at this. He goes straight here. He looks at what's going on in here. And sometimes I think we forget that God knows you. He knows what you are on about. He knows that when you're spending time now on your knees, He knows the motive for that. You know, a lot of us, we only pray when we need things. He knows that. And sometimes He even comes through for us. But that's because of His love for us. And am I saying that to make you feel bad? No, I'm saying that so that you can understand this God that loves you. You can understand how lucky you are to be in a relationship with Jesus. You don't deserve it, but yet you have it. There's no person on this earth that deserves God's love. Whatever person you look up to in terms of your spiritual walk, it can be whoever on TV, they don't deserve it. As good as they look, there's some dirty washing that's stripped under the carpet that you just don't see. So nobody deserves God's love. But we have it, man. We have it. God loves you. However old you are, think back of your life and think of all the nonsense you caught on. No, I'm not talking about before you were saved, while you were saved. Think about it. The things you said when you were saved, the stuff you did, you know God disapproves of, but you still were in a struggle and you did it anyway and you know what was wrong. But yet, if I ask you now, do you think, does God still love you? You will say yes. Because He loves you through that mess, man. And that is the God that you serve. That is your partner. 
You cannot compare your relationship with God with any other relationship. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care who your friends are. It cannot be compared. Nobody can love you like God loves you. Nobody can love you like His Son. So in terms of quantity versus quality, you need to avoid communicating with God only when you're in times of distress. Distress communication. That's the only time the Lord hears from you. Is when you in distress. It's like people that they leave you alone all the time, but the moment they need something, then they phone you quickly. Or they buy your doorstep. Or they send you a WhatsApp. Oh, how are you? And then you instinctively know, oh, what do they want now again? Some of your family members like that. What do you want now again? You didn't communicate all the time. Now all of a sudden, don't be that type of bride to Christ. That only when you need something. Do you know that Despite popular belief, prayer is not only telling God what you want. Prayer is communication. As I am talking to you now, that is what prayer should be like. For some of us, to our detriment, we make prayer such a formal thing. Prepare myself in a certain way. Which is okay, but we attach so much formality to it, that we forget I'm just communicating. And what we do when we do that, It makes it impossible for us to communicate with God outside of that little upper room that you have. So when I'm not in my upper room now, I can't talk to God. I have to wait until, I have to wait the whole day. Uh, When I, when I get running to my upper room, your Lord. God is omnipresent. He's not just there in your, in your room. And when we realize that is what prayer is, you can be walking around. Thank you, Father, on your way to church. Thank you, Lord. I love you. This is where I'm at. We complicate it so much with our fancy English and all of these things that must, I must use words that's in a dictionary for God to understand me, Pastor. It must sound eloquent. Really? God knows you. God doesn't only communicate in English. Sometimes He doesn't use words at all. But yet we want to, I must sound like, like, like that brother or that sister. Yeah, they pray. And then we actually practice praying like them. We practice, we practice, we practice. Why? Now you come to God. Who is that? Oh, it was John of you? I didn't even know it's him. It doesn't sound like him. I thought it was, you know, Brother Colin now, because it sounds like him. Come to God as you are. Pray as you are. If your prayer lasts five minutes, but it's heartfelt, fine. Don't time yourself. Some of us do this. We set an alarm when we pray. And we communicate with all the nonsense. Sometimes we finish after the five minutes and God knows if you are finished and you are still... 15 minutes left, what are we going to say now? <laughs> Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Love on Him. This morning I want you to make your relationship with God practical, man. Stop complicating. It's supposed to be a fun thing to love God. That's where your joy comes from. Because you have a relationship that no man can touch. No woman can touch. They can't influence it. It's just you and God. But we complicate it so much with all our religion and all of these things. Do you miss God? Is it times where you miss Him? Again, the same like in an earthly relationship. When you're in the relationship, you, you, you miss one another. You can't be long. Even if you've had an argument after the Second day, you start missing the person. As much as they angered you, you start missing them. Do you miss God? Can you go a week without speaking to Him? Can you go a month without speaking to Him? 
Is it okay for you just to communicate on special occasions, Christmas, Easter, funerals, only special occasions? If that is the case, that, that relationship is, is on the rocks. That marriage is on the rocks. It's not going to work. You need communication. And why? Again, the same example in marriage. As a marriage couple, you need to be moving in the same direction with your partner. The husband can't be that side and the wife is that side. And yes, you are two different people, but if God has brought you together as a marriage couple, I know it's not about your earthly marriage, but you need to understand this. If God has brought you together as a marriage, a married couple, He will take your differences and their differences and will put you on a path together to serve Him together. It's the same with Jesus. You need to make sure that you two are on the same you're walking in the same line. And the only way you know that is through your communication. Communication. And that is the motive when you communicate with God. Before you start asking Him for things. Before you start making Him, bringing your whole list to Him. Yeah. Before you do that, communicate so you can find out, engage. Are we still on the same page? Am I still with you? That's the first place you need to start. Because you can have the things. You can have all the things. But you can be far from God. Far from Him. You can have everything that you've ever prayed for. It can come right now. But then you're so far from the Lord. So far from Him. You don't know Him. And that's when He says, I don't know you. Depart from me. You need to give Him recognition. David says in Psalm 9 verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart, I will tell all of your wonders. This morning we were worshipping. Do you know there's a difference to singing about Him than to sing to Him? Do you know that? We often get into the routine of Sunday morning worship and praise that we forget not to sing about Him. That song, yes, it's about Him, but your, your motive is not to sing about Him, it's to sing to Him. When you're singing, Lord, I give you my heart, singing about him i'm not singing to brother colin this is the lord lord i give you my heart i'm telling no no this is your time where you're communicating with him sing to him that's a mental shift that a lot of us need to make because we've been coming from church to church and all nobody has ever told you or given you this revelation that in worship you're not singing about, you're not singing about god you're singing to him remember when we start worshiping the whole of heaven just sits still and listen. Listen what's going on there. The whole of heaven is at attention to your worship, to what you're about to say. But we don't realize the moment that is happening. We allow it to pass us by. To those close to you, speaking about recognition, to those close to you know about the one that you love? Can you imagine... Being married to somebody and you tell the person, oh, I love you, you know, you, you express your love towards them. But then, you know, you meet the person's, or the person meets your friends and you haven't told them about your hubby, or your wifey, or the one you, this is my fiancé, but nobody knows. I didn't even know you engaged. I didn't even know you married. Your partner's not going to be impressed with you. Not at all. And the same with the Lord. Do you know the Lord is, 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 is seated at the right hand and the Bible says He's interceding for you. What is interceding? Telling God about you. This is what's happening. 
in, in Lavona's life, this is where Lavona's at, this is who she is. He's speaking about you. But here on the earth, you're too shy to speak about Jesus. Probably must know I'm an undercover Christian. There's no such thing in the Bible, undercover. No such thing. If you were Christian, out and loud, look at those guys. Look what they did. They're not ashamed of anything. If you have a problem with me worshipping Jesus, like David, actually like David, then I'll become even more undignified than this. You don't like the way I'm dancing in my underwear? Because of my love towards the Lord, I'll become more undignified than this. I'm not worried what you think. This is my Jesus. This is my, this is my, part, my marriage partner in the Spirit. I'm not ashamed of Him. I'm not ashamed. Some of you need to let your friends know where you're at. Some of you need to let your friends know about your Jesus. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying, it's not a preach. I'm not saying preach to them. Speak to them. Casual. Casual conversation. Tell them about, you know, just, just, just surprise them one time. You know, this is what's happening in my life. Have you noticed the change? You know why? Easy. Move away. Move on to the next topic. Oh, and you, how's the weather, by the way? And all? They need to know. They need to know. Because that is how you create an opportunity for you to introduce them to the lover of your soul. How do you expect to win anybody to the Lord? How? If you don't speak about the Lord that you love. Okay? You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to know it all. Just tell them what He's doing in your life. Tell them how you have changed. Let them hear it from your mouth. Tell them from your perspective. Who this Jesus is. Make him real. Make him tangible. That is how people know that Jesus is real. By the way you communicate with them about him. That is how they gauge. Oh no, is this a real Jesus? Or what, what is going on? But when you speak to when you speak to them about Jesus like he's right here. And it, makes, it, it develops a thirst inside of their soul. I must get to know this Jesus. Because the way you speak about. It's like again. It's like when you. We're dating your partner. And you are so excited. Where are you going by the... No, I'm going to, to, to Lizzie. You know, Lizzie, she makes me feel like this. And you know, and you, you just tell the people about this. Sometimes they don't even want to know, but you're telling them about this person. That is when you're in love. You want everybody to know this person that you're in love with. How come we understand it when it comes to Hollywood movies? We understand it when it comes to your life, when you love somebody on the earth, but we all of a sudden forget it with a relationship with God. That same excitement, that same way. And Sunday, this time of a year, is not the only time where you now all of a sudden, and that's how some of us are. We keep it in a whole week. We say nothing about Jesus. Sunday, we get out of our shell. Now I'm going to do things. Now I'm going to worship. We run down the aisles, which is fine, but that's not the only time. What use is it you telling me in the church you love him? I expect that. That's not going to change my life. Sorry to say that. But when you go outside in the mall and you do things like that, or you're doing it at family gatherings, now I can see how much you love this Jesus. Not just in the church. Practical years. So if your love is a secret, then you don't have love. You're just with Him out of association. It's not really a love. It's not really a marriage relationship. It's just the association. Oh, that's Jesus. I'm, because I'm a Christian, so automatically Christian means I'm with Jesus out of association. Not out of relationship. David was also somebody that was filled with devotion and he was also faithful. 
full towards God. In Psalm 23 verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So devotion, you show your devotion when you do what your partner loves. So you know that your man likes his coffee in that way. You do it and you bring it to him in that way. It shows that you're devoted to him. It shows, oh, no, no, she's actually taking note that I like it that way. So it shows that she, you know, it shows a level of devotion towards me. They're going the extra mile. Same with the Lord. What is he like? And again, for every person, he's not going to expect something of you that you cannot do. It's not a part of your character. He's going to expect something of you that he knows is in your character. So if he knows you're a person that's afraid of the mic, he's not going to expect that of you. But he's going to give you something else. Some other level of expectation. But he will meet you with that particular need. So do what he loves. And the only way you find that out is again when you get to know him. Then you get to, like with any relationship, the way you get to know what makes somebody happy or sad is by the amount of times and hours you spend with them. And not meaningless hours, but you genuinely chatting and getting to know this person. Again, in relationships, when you are courting, that courting phase is where you sit and you, you go out, you go to the movies or whatever, but then there's moments where you sit and you just chat, man. And for those of us who are married now, but you are in love, back then, you, okay, you're still in love now, you, you, you can realize that there were times where you could speak for hours, but the time goes like this. It was now 2 o'clock, now you look, again, 7 o'clock in the evening, yo, where did the time go? Why you were getting to know one another. It was quality. That is how you know when it's quality time. When the time passes like this, then you know I'm spending quality time. But if you're doing this constantly, looking at your watch, when is this time? Oh, that's not quality. You're just doing it out of, because I must do it. It's an obligation. But it's not quality. Don't listen also, speaking about when you in the church. I remember Christ died for his church. So when you in a gathering like this, don't just listen for what you can get out of him. In other words, you don't, your motive for coming and gathering like this is not so I can get from the Lord. Oh, that, that's not your primary mo- um, uh, motive. That's, I'm, I'm here and I'm waiting to, for that moment to, for when it comes from the pulpit or during the worship or whenever, that I can find out what I can do for him. What can I do to make, to make our, our relationship special, man? That's what I'm listening for. When you tune your, your walk with God in that way, it dramatically changes your whole relationship. When you stop coming to church just so that I can fix me, and you come to church because I want to know how I can please you, man, automatically seek you first the things of God, all these things will be added. But we do it the wrong way. And again, we have never been told this. We've, we've been sitting in churches where pastors minister and they make you dependent on them. They make you dependent. I, I can't survive without this pastor. I must, I'm, I, you know, it's all about... It's not all about that. How can I love on you? And we get into this, this mode 
where the gospel becomes just another psychology session. It's almost no different than, would, than what, what you would sit in a counseling session with a secular person teaching you how to fix your problems. There's no difference. The only difference is you were in the church. And that's what many churches are like today. It's just, so, it's just uh, you know, psychology that is being used. But your motive as a church is to love God. That's your motive. That is why you are saved today. So that you can show the world how much you love your creator. How much you love his son. That is what it means. David was also obedient at times. <laughs> we all knew that he caught on his nonsense. But he, there was an element of obedience to his life. Even when he did things in error, he was quick to correct it. Because I need to stay. I realize now I did that, that that thing was not right. How can I how can I make this right again? And the Psalms are full of David pleading with the Lord. Lord, how can I make my relationship with you? How can, I, how can we restore this? Because I know we're not on good terms. What can I do? There's obedience outside of your mess that you cause. So when you are in God's will, you are obedient to Him. But there's also obedience when you are outside of His will. And that is when you come back to Him. You're being obedient. You're coming back to Him. The two types of obedience. So we often think, oh, I failed the Lord. So now there's no way back. I can't be obedient now. But when you come back to Him, when you, rest- when you allow yourself to be restored, you're being obedient to Him once again. And that restores the relationship. So God expects that. When you do things in error, He expects and He waits for that moment of restoration. Like a father or a mother, when a child does something wrong, and the parents know you've done something wrong, they're waiting for you to come. I'm waiting for you to come and make right. Same thing. God is waiting. But we condemn ourselves. And we condemn ourselves to the extent where it starts to affect our relationship with the Lord. And now instead of, we used to talk about me and the Lord, we used to talk about this thing all the time, but I messed up in that area, now we never speak about it again. And the Lord can't use me in that area ever again. Because I don't want to be restored there. So restoration and obedience cannot operate on the same platform as pride. If I'm proud, if I don't want to, no, no, I don't want to say sorry. Sometimes we are like that towards God. No, I feel I was in right standing to do this. I felt, Lord, you took long. But deep down we know, I shouldn't have done that. And we were adamant. No, I'm not going to. But again, coming back to one of the first points. Remember who you are. Remember your position in this marriage. As much as God loves you, there's two sides of Him. If you read the Old and New, thank the Lord that the Old Testament, you know, the Lord changed His his, his mode of operation. He was a fire and brimstone God back then. But He's changed His relationship with His children. Thank the Lord. Otherwise, most of us, uh, the earth would have swallowed most of us up a long time ago. If God still operated in that way. You need to also strive in terms of obedience. You need to strive to grow, to love and value what He loves and values. There's going to be certain things in a in your marriage relationship or any relationship, whether you when you're courting as well, there's certain things that irritate you with your partner. 
you just can't stand it, but you know they're never going to change. So I'm just going to have to grow to love that side of them. That's the same with God. There's certain things you're just going to not like about the Lord. I don't like the way you delay things, Lord. I don't like it when I ask for A, you come through C. I want you to come through A. I don't like that about you. But you're going to have to make your peace about that. It comes with the relationship. Some of us are knocking on doors that we know for us. The Lord never answered me like that before ever. But we still we adamant I want you to come through in that way. But for you he's not going to. And you need to make your peace with it. In terms of your relationship, this is how he's going to deal with you. Unfortunately, some of us, God has to deal with on a very hard way. Tough love, as they say. Whereas others, we are the lucky ones. Not to say that you're the apple of God's eye only. It's just that your character traits allows God to deal with you differently. And the next person. Be willing to view and sample life circumstances through what God says. So if God's word says it about this particular circumstance that you find in his word, or he communicates to you with regards to what you're going through, this is why trust him. If you know it's the Lord, if you know that you know that you know, this is God speaking, I I don't like what is being said, but I know there's a witness in my spirit that I know this is God speaking with this circumstance now. Trust him. Don't wait to hear nice things. So nice equals God. I, I don't know where we've made this analogy that only nice equals God. So everything else is get behind me, Satan. But nice equals God. When I hear that nice thing, oh yes, here the Lord comes through. Yeah, he comes through. You know that, that the devil can also come through that way? He gives you the nice thing. Look what he, what he did with Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms. That's nice. That's nice. But it wasn't, wasn't God. So not all the nice voices is from the Lord. That is why you need to spend time with him to know his voice. My sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they do not follow. Many of us are in the state that we're in or our relationship with God is in the state that it is in because we don't know when he's speaking. And again, to some extent, it's not all your fault. Again, it's because of how this pulpit is treated that you hear from me. I will tell you. I will tell you. I'm the pastor, so I will, I will tell you everything that God is saying. You don't interpret anything. I will tell you. Yes, there's times for that. But not every time. You cannot tell me that Christ died toward the veil, so there's no middleman just for us to put another middleman in there. So only now I have to go. Everything must go through the pastor. So what if the pastor is not there, Brother Colin? If he's away on holiday, if you can't contact him, what then? That is how I know. So as much as you receive from the man or the woman of God, all of those things, your walk with the Lord is your walk with the Lord. It's not all of their responsibility. But sometimes we, we live that way. That I'm not going to move until I hear from the pastor. Sure, that you're putting a lot of pressure on the pastor. Or some of you come to church because of the pastor. Because I like that pastor, so I'm going to come. No, no, no. It's your walk. What if something happens to the pastor and then are you not going to come to church anymore because that pastor is not there? No, you need to know why you are here. So take him as, at his word. The last character trait of David is he was repentant and he was he always, always operated out of forgiveness. In Psalm 25 verse 11 he says, 
For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. So always be ready to what? To say sorry. Okay? Relationships. Sometimes sorry is the hardest word to utter in a marriage. Because sorry means that you acknowledge that you are wrong and that that person is right. And sometimes it's difficult to do that. But in order for that relationship to survive, you're going to have to utter those words at one point in time. In our earthly relationships, some of our relationships are at the place that it is. It's damaged to that extent just because of those two words. We can't say it. And the relationship is damaged beyond repair because we cannot utter those words. Same with God. If you cannot, when you do something wrong, which you are obviously going to do, because nobody's perfect here, you're going to do it at some point in time. I know that you you like Peter now, and you feel, no, 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 I'm not going to, no, Lord, I will not forsake, I will not do anything wrong with you. I'm, two of us are like this. Yeah, that's today. That's today. And you know that there's an, an adversary, the devil, he's plotting and planning all the time to get you down. All the time, that's his job. That's his job. That's all that he does. You are his assignment. That's all he does. So there's going to be times where he's going to get the upper hand. He's not going to be victorious, but he might get the upper hand in your circumstance. But when you do fall, you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And guess what? God understands. He understands. He knows you are not perfect. So when you say sorry, it's okay, there we go. Now we can move on. But when we don't utter those words, are you withholding it? You start to develop this contempt towards God in that area. And you start to think and you, your mind will start playing tricks on you and eventually you get yourself to a point where you feel, you feel I, don't have, I don't have to apologize for that anymore. To the Lord. I don't have to because I'm in my right to do that. I don't have to. Same in relationships. You don't want to apologize and eventually this there's like something that grows around that circumstance and we start making excuses for why we did it and all of that. And that never gets resolved. So do you see how, before I start in my closing process, do you see how similar this is to relationships and marriage? And how we've complicated our walk with the Lord. I said some time back that there's a reason why God chose to compare marriage to his relationship with you. He could have chosen anything, but he chose marriage. And it's the reason why is because marriage is something you can relate to. Even if you're not married, you know when something is wrong in a marriage. You know, ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that. I'm not even married. You know, I'm I'm not even dating, but you shouldn't have done that. I know that. So there's certain basic things that's ingrained inside of you because of marriage. Remember, marriage is a God idea. It's not a man idea. 